0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Notting Hill. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed and listen without having seen the film, just be aware that we do discuss elements of the plot, so there are spoilers. Enjoy. (laughs) Enjoy. There you are. I don't know what was going on there.
0: For some reason, I wasn't getting anything uh, coming through in terms of audio for the hangout call.
1: Uh, Well, it was actually because I was just waiting on an eBay auction. I was bidding on a uh, a painting of Milo Yiannopoulos holding a gun (laughs) that became available. I just, um, and this is, you know, when like you look at your eBay auction and you're like, it ends at a really inconvenient time. But you're still going to move stuff around because you really want it, right?
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly.
1: Yeah, it's like also, auctioning on eBay is for, is bullshit. Just do buy it now or best offer. Like that to me is the best of both worlds. If you if you want to try and haggle for a lower price, you can get in there and the person can reject it. If not, otherwise, you know, name name a fair price.
0: I am all about the thrill of bidding with one second to go, and ruining someone else's day. Right.
1: See, I utterly hate that. and i have always hated it i remember in the early days of ebay it was only the auctions and it would always be like oh yeah i think the first couple of times i used it i must have been like in maybe my mid-teens even or like well i don't know when you're old enough to have a bank account so like 16 17 i would like have total faith in the bidding system where it's like oh this is your highest bid and go okay well that's fair you know, I can see that this am the highest bidder, and this is whatever. Maybe if it goes over, fine. And then you'd always get outbid at the very last minute. So people were circumventing the system, and he, and I th- just thought that was so unfair. It was like, just you, just use the existing bidding system. And but now that's it. That's in the culture of eBay. It's like you buy, yeah, you just sit there until the last minute and then jump in.
0: Oh, it's the same. It's the same as an auction at an auction, isn't it? Apart from there's obviously a time frame in it.
1: Yeah, and there's a guy banging a gavel.
0: When 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 you're at an auction, you don't go. Well, this is how much I will offer as my highest bid, and someone else goes, "Damn, I would have offered that, but only five p less." I'm afraid <laughs> you have outbid me, good sir.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's how everyone at an auction talks.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I, I eBay is good for getting stuff cheap. Uh, I I quite like eBay, but you you do have to put effort into it, and you have to sit there and watch it, which is sometimes too much.
1: I hate it can't stand it although i am presently bidding on a toy piano so for my child so if anyone is thinking of bidding on this toy piano don't don't you dare
0: send send me a link paddy i definitely (laughs) won't bid on it with 10 seconds to go well
1: sucks to be you if you then have to go to guildford to pick it up
0: (laughs) um speaking of milo yiannopoulos um,
1: favourite.
0: I was tempted to put a bid in But I would have then said I will pay you this much money However you then have to film yourself Setting it on fire and crying
1: <laughs> How much do you reckon he'd do it for? <sighs> Apparently he's two million dollars in debt
0: Two million dollars in debt I don't know if that's, if that's true isn't
1: it? But that's what I've heard
0: That is impressive um, I reckon a couple hundred quid
1: Yeah for sure Real, sure real British pounds. Round. Yeah, yeah. You just shake a tin around in your office.
0: <laughs> do you want to do you want to ruin a terrible person's day? <laughs> help me, help me with this endeavor.
1: Would you like to contribute to humiliating a really awful person?
0: And I mean, that's what a lot of culture should be based around, isn't it? Really, not humiliation, humiliating terrible people. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's sort of um, you yeah, know, like putting people in the stocks. Well, yeah, I think exactly. we should that bring back great the stocks.
0: Idea. Bring back the stocks. You know, they always say about capital punishment being brought back in this country if there was a referendum. But what they don't factor in is the stocks, which I think would prove even more popular.
1: Honestly, I bet you if we had a referendum tomorrow on whether we should bring back the stocks, it'd be like 55-45 in favour.
0: Yeah, it would, definitely. Um, you would You would have people running around going... If you bring back the stocks, it'll be like the good old days, and we'll bring back the shilling. (laughs) Yeah. Remember how great the shilling was, everybody?
1: Yeah. And the thing is, after Brexit, although, like, fruit's going to go rotten anyway, so we'll have a lot of rotten fruit to be able to pelt people with when they're in the stocks.
0: Yeah, precisely.
1: I'm really excited.
0: (laughs) I'm excited for our our society to descend into feudalism (laughs) again. It's what I'm after. When people say about the good old days of of Britain, they often think about like, you know, the Victorian era and things like that, but no, I'm thinking further back. Yeah. I'm thinking the early kings.
1: Oh, really? You you're going like pre-medieval even.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm going, you know, William the Conqueror. I'm going just a few after that.
1: Right. You're not going back to the King Arthur days.
0: No, no. Well, he wasn't a real king. What? He he was he was just a random warlord.
1: Tell that to Guy Ritchie.
0: I will. Oi, Guy.
1: <laughs>
0: Friend of the podcast, Guy Sos- Ritchie. mate, but he was just a random warlord. Um, you've so you've just Hill. ruined Guy
1: Ritchie's day.
0: <laughs> so, so Notting Hill, Notting Hill.
1: Notting Hill is a neighbourhood in London where they will be putting but the stocks when they come back. <laughs> right in the, mi- in the middle of the street, Portobello Market. You have all the market stalls on either side and then the stocks at the end.
0: Yeah, and you'll have you'll have market vendors either side going, "Get your rotten fruit here."
1: Yep, and then there'll be a, a cute little travel bookshop where you can buy books on um, the history of the stocks and stocks around the world.
0: Yes, and it's it's a it's a double entendre there because they're talking about stocks, but also like stock cubes. Yeah, so you can go in there and hear about the history of of Oxo, the
1: humble stock and cube.
0: And about horrible, humiliating public punishments.
1: A question about Oxo cubes: Do you do the thing where you get the cube and then you like crush it in your fingers, and then that sort of crushes it inside the little packet, and then you can just dribble it into the pot? No, you should. That's that's the proper <laughs> Oxo cube technique.
0: I eat them whole.
1: <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't even take the wrapper off. Just chuck <laughs> chuck them straight in there.
0: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what, what, like everyone, I imagine everyone are like sitting around at work and people have all brought their packed lunches they've got like Tupperwares with leftovers nice sandwiches um, You know, some people have got nice you know, Chinese maybe, a leftover spag bowl and then it's like, oh what have you got Rob? and it's just like a 12 box of OXO cubes
0: and <laughs> I just eat them one after another staring my co-workers in the eye unblinking
1: <laughs> it's the, the reduced salt oxo cube to be fair (laughs) of course
0: I've got to look after my health
1: yeah you're conscious about your health
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh dear so do 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 you think Hugh Grant likes a good oxo cube
1: absolutely yeah I reckon if you had to open one of those cupboards in his quite nice house which has a lot of floors you would find an oxo cube or two for sure
0: yeah I think so I think so
1: yeah so I had actually never seen this before
0: Oh, really? Yeah, oh. it's one that
1: had managed to pass me by, I think, probably just too young for it at the time, because it came out in 1999, um, and just never really got round to seeing it, really. It wasn't something that I prioritised, but it's it does occupy a space in popular culture, and I felt like I was aware of it, and I felt like I had seen it, even though I hadn't. You know, it holds that kind of place in culture. But had you seen it before?
0: Yeah, so I'd seen it a few times before. Um, of the... Um, of the movies of this ilk, um, you know, of the four, the four, the weddings Curtis crowd. verse. Yes. Of the Curtis verse. I think this is the one I've probably seen the most apart from maybe Bridget Jones one. And yeah, I think there's a reason for that because I think this movie and in, in terms of framers of reference, I guess the best comparison we can make is between this and four weddings and a funeral. And I think that this yeah. has much more of a cinematic feel and a much more, a much more intelligent pacing and a much more intricate understanding of emotion than four weddings. I think there's a there's a very clear jump up from four weddings to Notting Hill.
1: Yeah, I think I'd I'd agree with that broadly. There's definitely um a levelling up, as it were, you know. This is the um the chemical plant zone, following the the, <laughs> yeah. the Green Hill zone. But um yeah, so I, I enjoyed it more than four weddings and a funeral. Um, I don't know that I'd say that I loved it or that I particularly had any any strong feelings about it, really. But it was good overall. It was certainly watchable. Well, a lot of the things that we talked about as being problems with Four Weddings and a Funeral before, like how it goes on too long and the scenes are too long and it, it, it drags a bit and it's kind of slow and some of the characters are a bit um, wooden and a bit one-dimensional. Those problems, I thought, were in Notting Hill in many places, but they, they were sort of lessened and there was enough funny and enjoyable stuff to carry it through that you noticed them less.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, by, I think with Notting Hill, Curtis really nailed down his template for the rom-com. Um, and it's got all of... The, it's got similar trappings to Four Weddings, but it 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 feels much better structurally. And you can see basically from Notting Hill where he went with basically every other movie he's made since. Yeah, Every, every movie he's written since. Uh, Notting Hill really has that template nailed down. Um, There's got to be in-
1: somebody rejecting someone so they can fall back in love with them ten minutes later.
0: Precisely, precisely. Um, and and you've got the, the group of supportive friends um, and you've got your fumbling lead character um, and you've got a best, best England, friend in their pants. You've got a vision of England that is very, very white. Yeah, I think is a, is a fair criticism to make.
1: But it's okay because one of the white people in a wheelchair.
0: Yes, of course, of course. Um, but but I feel as though that that side of it is a little bit better handled here than it is in some of the other um, courtesy type ventures. Yeah, I'll give um, them that. It, at least it feels feels better this time around Um, but I think the thing that really propels this movie is Julia Roberts um, I think is is by far the best actor in this film. Um, Yeah. The character that's got depth to it much more so than um than bridget jones or than um four weddings in particular
1: yeah i i definitely felt it was better than four four weddings in that sense but i still felt she was a little bit one-dimensional I still felt a lot of the time at least in the the earlier instances of her character that she was just there um to be hugh grant's fantasy as it were because the the beginnings of their their relationship she hardly has any lines at all really and it's like he he spills them. Um, the orange juice fell over her, and then she comes back to his place to change, and then they've hardly said two words to each other, and then suddenly she kisses him, and it's like, mm, really?
0: And I, I think, um, but I think in this instance, it's actually quite a clever bit of storytelling and quite a clever bit of character development because um, at the beginning of the film, you can see that she's not letting her guard down whatsoever. Um, if you if you look at this movie purely from her perspective, um, she is a movie star who is quite deliberately trying to be quite detached from the day-to-day world. Um, But lo and behold, she comes across this person who treats her like a normal person, but she's still got this standoffish approach. And as the movie goes on and as she relaxes a little bit more, you see more of the emotional and more of the human side of her. And I think that's quite clever, whereas conversely, Hugh Grant kind of is, is the character in this that maintains a level feel throughout. So it's kind of the opposite of what you'd expect from a film like this. Um, yeah, where she is the one who has the character development and there's the one that you get to know better. Whereas yeah. he is the one who's kind of the constant.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. You don't know that he necessarily changes that much. She goes on much more of a, a roller coaster ride. I think I guess I made that judgment about her relatively early on. But then, yeah, I still did enjoy the the payoff later on. So, yeah, she, she's good. And it's like, it's it's just kind of a weird one because at first you just feel like, is this just a sort of male fantasy about dating someone famous about dating a celebrity, is that what it's really about? It's just someone is Richard Curtis just sort of playing up to a fantasy here rather than telling a story and it feels like that at first, but then as it goes on, it starts to it starts to come together more I think, and it takes a while to get there because it is two hours long and it's it perhaps does drag a little bit, but it does get there
0: yeah and i I think it's kind of deliberate as well i I don't think that it was a um The film struggling to reach that point. I think in the beginning, you're supposed to feel about it that way. Um, But as it goes on, you actually understand the the difficulties of the situation. So when she is at the dinner party, for instance, they have this game. So she goes along to a dinner party um, where it's Hugh Grant's sister and friends and everything like that. Because there's got to be a dinner party scene with all the friends together.
1: Yeah, of course. And there's
0: got to be some bad cooking. Um, You know, it's got to happen. Um and and so um at that scene uh they they play this game at the end of who gets to have the last brownie, isn't it? It's the brownie. Yeah. Um and they all tell a sob story about the their sympathy lives brownie. And say, yes, and they all try and explain why their life is the most difficult and, and um and Julia Roberts' character, she explains, you know, that the, the difficulties of being a woman in Hollywood and, and, and the difficulties that she's faced in her life. Um and it and at the end it's kind of play for last. But at that moment you think, oh wait, actually that's not a, an an ideal life to be in, regardless of the fame, regardless of the money, um, regardless of the success. There are some downsides to it. And then from that point on you get a much greater understanding of her life and how difficult it is. And and all of the trust implications and all of the implications of um of celebrity romance as well and I, I i thought the way that the film played that was actually very clever and i kind of wish there was more of that and less fumbling british people
1: yes definitely and that you did feel that the two sides were sort of at odds at many points as well, especially when it comes down to reese um, playing spike the roommate who is yeah he's, he's quite a one-dimensional character but he is funny and he is welsh which is, you know, which is good. Nice to hear a Welsh accent on cinema because you actually don't that often, do you?
0: No, no, you don't. It's nice to have a Welsh person here. Um, and, and yeah, and some of the one-dimensional characters work better than others. And I think you know Reece Evans, Spike, goes down really well in this film and and became kind of like the the standout character, I suppose. Yeah. At the time that it came out, and it's it's easy to see why. He's very funny, um, very funny as a little little support character.
1: There are multiple scenes in which he's reading Loot magazine which is very funny
0: It's it's your go-to place for historical musical instruments
1: Yeah <laughs> and Do they still do it? Do they still make Loot?
0: I have no idea
1: I'm going to Google Loot. I'm probably just going to get lots of stuff about Loot boxes
0: Of course.
1: I know Loot.com Best free classified ads Buy, sell, rent in the UK Oh, it's changed its logo don't like it. <laughs> oh. um, gas, so- gas hob, 35 quid or nearest offer. Not bad, not bad. Sauce yep. pan small, Bedfordshire, 350.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. It's scintillating listening <laughs> as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, welcome to the loot cast. Read the best ads <laughs> on loot.com. Let's have a
0: look, have a look at what, what what goodies we can get.
1: Bosch chainsaw, um- 40 pounds, Portsmouth. <laughs>
0: Well, if anybody wants it, it'll be gone by the time this episode. This lives. is
1: true. Yeah, four days later, that'll have, that'll have gone up in price for sure.
0: <laughs> um, so so yeah, I think I think some of the characters work better than others, but um, the the one thing that I kind of want from this movie, and I think this more every time I watch it, is I really wish that Julia Roberts wasn't playing a fictionalized version of herself and was just playing Julia Roberts as a character.
1: That would work. That
0: I think that would be really fun, a kind of being John Malkovich situation, I suppose. Yeah. Um, where where she is just playing herself and obviously a fictionalized version of herself, but I think that would have been um would have been quite an interesting take to to add that level of realism into it.
1: And if you were making this now, like twenty years on, that is exactly what you would do, because now a precedent has been set by particularly sort of sitcoms with comedians playing version of themselves like Maron or whatever. Um, where it's like it's completely acceptable for actors to explore that line, but at the time, I don't think it was really.
0: No, no, I think it would have been a, a step too far for the '90s, I suppose, um, to to introduce something like that. But I, I I do think that would have been clever, and um, it, but even so, it's a very interesting take on on the rom com, and I think the way that it portrays that kind of um, silver screen lifestyle is is quite interesting it's more interesting than you'd get I think it's one of the most interesting things you get from a Richard Curtis movie
1: yeah for sure and yeah you've got Alec Baldwin is that one scene as her douchebag boyfriend which is quite funny and the press junket thing stuff is all quite enjoyable where he pretends he's from horse and hound and then he's interviewing everyone that's quite that's quite funny
0: yeah, yeah, it leads to some very funny and very interesting moments, and in the way that it plays in the dynamics, and and all the way through, you've got that whole, you get enwrapped in the idea of her as a celebrity as well. When you see the film sets, and you're there at the junkets, and you see the the um, adverts everywhere and things like that, um, so the whole whole time through the film, it's playing with the idea of who's the real person, who's not the real person. Um, and, and, and where it explores those lines, I think is where it's at its most, in, most interesting. Um, and perhaps the the more um, gentle trappings of the romantic comedy do that side of it a little bit of a disservice.
1: Yeah, for sure. It, it is mostly quite gentle. There's a couple of s- sort of bombastic scenes where she's the one where the press discover them and she's yelling at him. But mostly, yeah, it is quite gentle, quite languid. It's, it's easy on the eyes, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it, it is. It's this is a Sunday afternoon cup of tea film. Um, and, and it might be the most it might be the most interesting of Richard Curtis's movies in terms of making you think. Certainly more so than Bridget Jones or Four Weddings or Love actually.
1: Bridget Jones, I think, is not necessarily a fair comparison because it is based on a, a very popular book. So I wonder how much of that is to do with the source material rather than Richard Curtis's adaptations.
0: But it feels very much like a Richard Curtis film. If if it if it is exactly like the book, then the book is very much like a Richard Curtis movie. <laughs> um because that is it's one of the most safe films I think I've ever seen in my life. We should talk about the Bridget Jones movie. Yeah, yeah, we'll
1: say we'll save that for another
0: episode. Um but yeah, they are they are the definition of of safe movie. Um and and so yeah, it's um Whereas Notting Hill, I think, has a little bit more of an edge to it. It makes you think a little bit more.
1: Yeah.
0: Which is nice. It's interesting. But even even so, beyond that, it still is a very comfortable film.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's not pushing any boundaries or anything. But, you know, in in 1999, the filmic landscape was different, to be fair to him. You know, it's, it has set a precedent for a lot of stuff that followed it, and it is still seen as a classic. And, you know, it's, it's earned that, for sure.
0: Yes, yeah. And, and I, I think... I think it deserves its place. Yeah. It's it's not a sort of world changer, but it is a you know, it's a feel good movie. It feels nice to watch.
1: No. Right. And you've got um a lot of young young people. Dylan Moran, isn't it, as Rufus the Thief.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep, Rufus the Thief.
1: book down his trousers. You got my main man Sanjeev Baskar, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That was his first film role.
0: Oh right, okay.
1: Yep. He- Gave who as the chancellor of Sussex University gave me my degree and oh, uh, really, yeah, oh, okay. uh, asked to read my thesis because he thought it sounded interesting. And you know, he probably says that to everyone, but he did seem genuinely enthused.
0: Oh, very nice, yeah,
1: so that was cool. And it's got all of the schmaltzy 90s music, especially Ronan Keating.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of Ronan Keating here.
1: Do you remember in sort of 1999-2000, that song was absolutely everywhere?
0: Yes, yeah, it's a it's a not very good song, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, but the, the soundtrack is that kind of, I, I suppose there's some high points in there, isn't there? There's some very good classic songs alongside the Ronan Keating. <laughs> a
1: lot of ballads, interestingly, a lot of ballads. It's it, So it's not afraid of the schmaltz either.
0: No, no. Um but but going back to the cast, there's there's some good names in here, isn't there? You've got like um in terms of the British comedy scene, obviously you mentioned Dylan Moran, but there's also Julian Ryan Tut from yeah. um Greenwing, which is interesting to see him, just in a little snippet of a role. Um you've got Misha Barton. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, which is which is uh which is uh, interesting as well. And then you've got, you know, like Tim McKinney, um, you know, the the that kind of crowd. Um, but but shout out to Clark Peters of The Wire. Yeah, yeah. Which was it was great to see him there. I was like, oh wait, that's the guy from The Wire. He's What's like he the main guy
1: there? in the fictional film.
0: <laughs> the fictional film, and 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 obviously the most unrealistic thing about this movie is that she wins an Oscar for being in a sci-fi movie, <laughs> which happens once every fifty years.
1: Yeah, that's true. They talk about her clutching her Oscar, and he's like, what? Apparently, yeah, she, she only won- does like rubbish.
0: Yeah, she won an Oscar for Because in terms of sci fi movies that have done well, you've got like um what was the one that was a one take? Birdman. <laughs> no, not Birdman. The one in the one in um the one in space with Sandra Bullock.
1: The blind side.
0: <laughs> that was definitely said in space. I wish it had been said in space. That would have been great.
1: Um Gravity.
0: Yes, gravity, that's the one. I haven't um, seen it which is a, it's a very interesting film and uh, seeing that in the cinema um genuinely makes your stomach turn a little bit um the way that it was filmed so it mm. was actually it was actually very very effective um but you know generally they steer clear of the sci-fi um we yeah. had avatar but i don't really count avatar uh,
1: that's um, that's a, a bloated james cameron weirdy project that doesn't count as sci-fi <laughs>
0: So I think Avatar was a strange one because in terms of visual effects it is a you know a, a real groundbreaking moment.
1: I've never seen it.
0: And I I think you probably shouldn't see it. Yeah. Um because I think nowadays it would feel quite outdated and um and uh, and quite sort of almost old-fashioned now, I suppose, the way that it treats it. But for the time, the way that it was filmed um, was genuinely groundbreaking from James Cameron. From a technical perspective, it was a very interesting film. But the It was story... actually
1: made to be seen in 3D.
0: Yes, yeah. And it was one of the first movies to really do that in a proper way, outside of dodgy B movies in the 80s. Um, it really was groundbreaking in that way. Um, but the film that it was framed around wasn't particularly interesting. Um and you know it's a fine little action movie but it wasn't anything powerful from a from a storytelling perspective but from a visual effects perspective and a and a directing mechanics perspective it was actually quite cool to watch right but generally they sort of yeah generally the oscars they throw a couple of sci-fi movies in every now and again for nominations and they very rarely very rarely win anything so this this uh what's it called double helix or helix? i
1: think it's just called helix
0: just called helix the fact that Helix has won Oscars—it must have been one hell of a movie. I want them to. Sh- I want. I want that movie to exist.
1: Yeah, I'd watch that.
0: Julia yeah, Roberts great. in space. Julia Roberts in space.
1: She's never done a space movie, has she? I don't know. I don't think she has.
0: Let's find out. I not I can't think of any off the top of my head, but maybe there's um, maybe some have snuck through.
1: Before that, I was, um, was on the Wikipedia page which said that Notting Hill was the highest-grossing British film released in 1999. So, of course, I then had to look at all the other British films released in 1999, which included Grey Owl starring Pierce Brosnan.
0: Oh, how could it be a Pierce Brosnan movie?
1: I know. Um, <laughs> and also, The World is Not Enough starring Pierce oh, Brosnan. Oh,
0: there we go. So, Pierce Brosnan got was beaten a, by Notting Hill twice.
1: It was a good year for Bronham.
0: was a good year for Brosnan. I think he could have been in this instead of Hugh Grant. I, I, every oh. so often I watch a movie with Hugh Grant and I think, oh, as much as I love you, Hugh, I do love Hugh Grant. Um, I still wish that there was... Um, there was a bit of Bronholm there instead.
1: Yeah, Bronholm's Travel Bookshop. Everyone would be going there. He would not be struggling to sell books. He'd be so good at it.
0: I would be all over that. That would be amazing. Yeah. So so a a brief review of Julia Roberts' career looking for space movies, and I don't see any. So I think that the closest she got was Flatliners, which is the horror movie about a bunch of med school kids who deliberately kill themselves and bring themselves back to see if there's an afterlife.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. But they, didn't they remake kind of, that recently?
0: They did, and apparently it was really bad. Go figure. <laughs> um, but the, the the original Flatliners is quite good fun. It's got it's got a a good cast of young people. So it's Kiefer Sutherland, Kevin Bacon, Julia Roberts, Billy Baldwin, um, my main man Oliver Platt. Shout out to Oliver Platt.
1: Oliver Platt.
0: He is the he is the greatest. Um, but yeah. I, how do how the hell do we get onto that?
1: Well, hang on. I just read on Reese Wikipedia page that he is known as a member of the rock group Super Furry Animals and the Peth. He's in Super Furry Animals, <laughs> apparently. So, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, it says he's he's a former member. Okay.
0: Oh, okay. That means he got on stage with them once. That's how it works, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Played the xylophone probably. <laughs> Interesting. But yeah, he's one of always like he always plays really like objectionable characters, doesn't he? But so it was nice in this one to see him just sort of having a laugh.
0: Yeah, he's a he's a fun little additional character. Instead of um he's in the enduring love movie, isn't he? He is, yeah. Um we'll talk about that at some point. Yes. The 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 heartwarming, lovely enduring love. Yep. <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, I I liked Notting Hill. I had fun rewatching Notting Hill. I hadn't watched it in a fair few years. Yeah, um, and I it, felt it, f- it doesn't feel as though it's aged too badly, given that it was made twenty years ago.
1: No, it's it the the age of it doesn't really matter at all. Actually, there are some things where you're like, okay, yeah, he owns this really nice house in Notting Hill, which no bookseller would be able to afford, even if you own the bookshop. But it's like you know, it was nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, it's fine and there are you know references to Beavis and Butthead and ironic t-shirts and some things that are, do look quite out of place but no mostly you're just like okay well fine it's ninety nine whatever we've we've established that loot magazine still exists it's just moved online
0: <laughs> we've and, established that people are still reading magazines
1: yep yeah, as does horse and hound
0: oh, does, horse and hound must still be going surely
1: yep yeah, it has a twitter account. It has a
0: Twitter account. Yeah. Horse and Hound
1: will always be funny to me because, um, at school, it would always, like, be like a joke that someone, um, that people were jerking off to Horse and Hound. He'd, like, accuse people of, yeah, having been looking at Horse and Hound while they were jerking off. That tells you a lot about the kind of school that I went to. (laughs) (laughs)
0: It really does. Whereas my school, it was all about, um, people Loot. standing either side of the corridor and then punching people as they walk past. <laughs> that was the idea of wit at my school.
1: Classic. Classic. <laughs> now what you right. do is you, you'd hide an issue of horse and hound in someone's bed and then when they came back you'd be like, oh, you found horse and hound in your bed every
0: way. A, pu- a public school version <laughs> of hiding a horse's head in your bed. Yeah.
1: A, 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 a horse, horse and hound and in your, your bed. bed. Let's <laughs> go all the way back to is it like episode two of this podcast where we talk about is a, sh-
0: that is a, a, a musical cool of the of Godfather the <laughs> Come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding. <laughs> you can still
1: yeah, you can still remember the tunes. Have I ha- can.
0: I've, I've been writing it, you know. Have you? It's, it's gonna be a seven hour long musical epic.
1: Oh shit. That sounds great. <laughs> It's like like um, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child You can go do two parts You can do part one and two in the same day Or you can like do it over two days
0: Oh there we go Is that how it works with Harry Potter and the Cursed Child? Then?
1: Yeah, yeah I see You have to buy but... a ticket for both
0: Oh right, okay
1: We did both in one day Which is good So we did one like in the afternoon and then one in the evening
0: Oh you'd want to do that, wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, I feel like if you had to go home and come back again It would just seem like a pain and so, also,
0: like, if if something happened to one of the cast members in between days, and suddenly <laughs> played by someone completely different, like, oh wait, yeah, I imagine that would be a bit a bit strange.
1: Especially for well, for your musical, it would be especially strange because you, if you know if you had to get a different horse, it would be a, it would be a problem.
0: It would be a problem. You've got a giant magnificent beast, and then the next day it's a Shetland pony. Yeah, it, uh, <laughs> it, it, it would not look so good.
1: No. <laughs> I um I jogged past a person pulling a Shetland pony on Saturday by the river. Really? Yeah, I was like, oh, this is, this is a Shetland pony.
0: <laughs> you do get some some strange things, don't you? Like the, the the one thing that I've never really understood is is the prevalence of men in pubs with pet ferrets. Oh, it's God. always in the pub, isn't it? It's always in the pub or the pub garden. You never see a ferret anywhere else.
1: No, it, well, some I think I've seen people walking ferrets before. Oh just right, like okay, walking well, them down the down the high street.
0: Well, I, I I'm pleased that that happens because in my mind's eye, the only time uh, I've ever seen <laughs> 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 the only time I've ever seen people with pet ferrets is like down pubs. So and I'm like, God, that must be a really unhealthy lifestyle for a ferret being in a pub.
1: Yeah, boozing and throwing up everywhere. All
0: yeah. they eat is peanuts. It must be really bad for a ferret. Yeah, got to, get some, got to get some good, healthy food in them. I think ferrets
1: are a little bit creepy as well. The way that they move is quite, yeah. They they It's just a little bit too out. fluid, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's odd. I don't like them.
0: Yeah, <laughs> he here first, folks. Paddy Johnston, ferret hater. A
1: ferret hater. <laughs> yeah.
0: Every, every day after work, he goes out and he goes into the countryside and out of a megaphone, he just shouts. I hate you, ferrets. Get out of here. Get out of my country, ferrets.
1: <laughs> you know, on the the spectrum of objectionable animals, they're not as bad as jellyfish. But
0: so so, in terms of ranking animals you hate, is jellyfish the number one?
1: They are the number one. But the thing is that I don't encounter them very often, and they they are easy to avoid. You know, it's not like I f- I spend a lot of time swimming in the sea because I don't live near the sea. But if I ever am near the sea, I'll be furious if I see one. So, I don't know. I've had more personally bad experiences with them than I have with ferrets. I just don't like the look of ferrets. I don't like the cut of their jib. <laughs> right, okay. I don't trust what, trust tr- 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 the way they move.
0: So, so is ferret the number two in, in the Paddy Johnson hate animals list?
1: Probably, yeah. And, like, wasps. Actually, maybe wasps are the worst. Cause... yeah. They are just evil, aren't they?
0: I, I'd rank, like, horseflies and wasps as, like, near the top of the list because they are redundant, horrible bastard animals and I yeah. have no time for them.
1: Everyone in, like, Australia or even North America is listening to this going, like, fuck you guys, you don't even have any, like, dangerous animals in England.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we have badgers.
1: Ba- yeah, badgers. Yeah, they've got TB. You've got to control <laughs> them.
0: Yeah, we've got, we've got badgers. Badgers are bad. We've got adders. Oh Madders yeah, can kill you.
1: I have seen an adder once.
0: Oh, I've seen an adder as well.
1: Yeah, have you seen a badger?
0: I have seen a badger. Yeah,
1: one time in Exeter, we saw a badger. We <laughs> were coming back from a gig um, at the Lemmy, and there was a badger like creeping across the across the ground outside Le Froude
0: That is um, probably the same badger that we saw. Um, there was I mean, only a one very badger. Funny story to tell <laughs> about one of our mutual friends um, who was very very drunk. Um, as people generally were at university.
1: His name and was Jonathan Badger.
0: His name was Jonathan Badger. No relation. Um, and um, and this badger was walking across the grass outside our halls of residence. And he turned to us and said, I'm going to jump on it. And, <laughs> <laughs> and after, after the call's over, I'll tell you who it was. Um, and yep. and and we were there going no don't do that it will literally bite your face off <laughs> it and the, will eat and the next thing and the, and the next thing we know he is, he is like stalking across the grass towards this badger walking like you know when you know how a cartoon character walks when they're trying to be sneaky <laughs> walking but like exactly really like
1: long that. outstretched legs like John Cleese
0: yes exactly like that and um, <laughs> thankfully I think badger, I know who this is yeah thankfully the badger caught wind of. Um, of of the person trying to stalk it, and it just ran off because I think if he'd got too close, <laughs> it genuinely would have been an incident. Um, but yes, that is one of my lasting memories of university: <laughs> seeing one of my friends trying to catch a badger.
1: <laughs> You'll never catch a badger. Well, no. unless you have like traps or whatever.
0: Exactly. Exactly. You don't want to wrestle a badger.
1: <laughs> no. Yeah. So yeah, I would you? I'd rather wrestle a ferret. Although I guess they'd end up. Like getting under your shirt and then biting you. You can't wrestle a ferret, really, can you?
0: you? No, you can't wrestle a ferret. You can just kind of hold it. They're too small. Whereas a badger, at least, is wrestlable, but also is much more dangerous.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they've got, like, big, slobbering jaws and teeth. Yes. <laughs> so but having the- said that, I don't mind badgers. Cause, I'm fine you with know, badgers. They're, you know, they, they've got a lot of... Um, they do contribute to the ecosystem, don't they?
0: Yes, yeah. And you know they're not abhorrent as creatures. I'd say, I'd say they're less irritating than foxes.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, foxes. Foxes are, are more irritating than badgers. Yeah. Badgers
0: just kind of shuffle around, whereas foxes are a real pain in the ass.
1: Yeah, they they make horrible noises at night and shit everywhere and stuff, and go for the bins.
0: They're off. they are off killing chickens and everything like that.
1: Yeah, they're a bit evil. I think.
0: Yeah don't trust foxes do you trust badgers yeah <laughs> this message brought to you by the british badger association
1: <laughs> patron brian may <laughs> yeah if, no if if you asked a badger to do you a solid and lend you a tenner he'd totally do it
0: he would he would
1: fox would be like what's in it for me
0: and it then would lend p- you a fake tenner. <laughs> a fox 10 <laughs> fox pounds
1: yeah that's like um it's like bitcoin be like, oh yeah, yeah, you want to invest in this, mate? It's gonna, it's gonna blow up soon. It's gonna blow up for sure. Exactly.
0: So, so <laughs> I, I misremembered it. I thought it was the British Badger Association, but it's, it's the Badger Trust, isn't it? I don't know. Oh, mate, you're not down with your badger law.
1: No, I'm not. Your,
0: your badger knowledge is lacking. Yes,
1: um, I need to go back to badger school. You do, you do.
0: <laughs> Number one thing they teach you: don't wrestle badgers
1: yeah or sneak up on them
0: <laughs> don't sneak up on a badger it will not appreciate it
1: hell no right um notting hill yes it's um there's an interesting th- scene where they're trying to get him to hook up with like all of their various friends after he's sort of had the the split from julia roberts and it makes it look like dating then was potentially even worse than it is now. Not that I think either of us would know, but like the, obviously you have a, a hellscape of apps these days, but all of the people that they were trying to set him up with, were just like he didn't really click with any of them and he was clearly having a bad time. And it's like actually the extremely limited pool of just your friends like that must have been difficult in a different way. So to to have just have it, had it briefly explore, that was quite interesting, I thought.
0: Yeah, it was... Um... It was interesting to see that kind of thing. And I don't know whether the dating scene was really like that or not, or whether it's just that he was so down in the dumps that the only time they're ever able to get him to meet people is just through random dinner parties. Yeah. Um, Maybe. Yeah, that was enough to give me serious anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) Just been like, Jesus Christ.
1: And I liked the bit when he was walking along and the seasons were changing, even though it was to Ain't No Sunshine, which is a very dreary song.
0: You what, mate? Shins- uh, sunshine's a great song.
1: Uh, don't like it. Oh,
0: you got no time for the blues.
1: No, I I like the blues. The, 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 don't get me wrong, I like the blues. I don't think it's even the blues. It, it's the it's the indigos. You know, it's <laughs> it's not quite there. I feel like it's one of those like douchebag at an open mic night songs, isn't it? Nah. I've yeah, definitely a, seen multiple douchebags singing that at open mic nights. It is an
0: excellent song regardless of whether douchebags singing it at open mic
1: nights. I don't know. I I just find it a bit flat, a bit dreary. But I did really like that the seasons changed around him while he walked down down the street. I thought that was kind of that was a nice moment. That was just schmaltzy enough.
0: Yeah, it was a clever um it was a clever sort of way of filming it. Apparently they filmed that all in like one day doing multiple takes that they then framed around each other right. to create like a seamless thing, which is quite clever.
1: Yeah. And somewhere in there on the wall, there's a poster for Martha meet Frank Daniel and Lawrence.
0: Ah, that, oh, that's sweet.
1: Yeah. Which I think came out in the same year or the year before, maybe. Probably the year before, because I guess it would have been there while they were filming it.
0: Yeah, that's cool though, isn't it? It's a nice little nod.
1: Yeah so that's cool and apparently in the the uncredited cast it says Joe Cornish as fan receiving Anna's autograph but I didn't spot that did you?
0: No no
1: I'm just looking it up now
0: oh apparently it was a oh no some scenes were deleted apparently from it so Sally Phillips was in a scene that was deleted
1: yeah yeah she actually had a character that was cut from the film that must be that must be tough yeah hopefully she still got paid
0: Yes, fingers crossed.
1: So yeah, lots of lots of little moments of small intrigue that were that were nice.
0: Yeah, I think I think there's an there's an intricacy to this film that I think has kind of been lost over the years. And again, I think maybe it's it's partly to do with Curtis's legacy.
1: Mm, definitely. Um, but
0: this is a this is a much more interesting film than maybe some of the other films that he's done.
1: Yeah, I Love Actually and stuff like that. I think the stuff that he went on to do, people sort of almost don't necessarily connect it with this stuff, do they?
0: No, no, exactly. Whereas this this film has some layers to it. Certainly more than um, what's the what's the one set on the boat? The boat that rocked. Have you watched? The oh, boat that's that
1: awful. Yeah, and there is like a weird rape scene in it.
0: Is there? There <laughs> is a, there's a bit
1: where, like, I think it's. Nick Frost turns out the lights. He goes to bed with a woman and turns out the lights and then swaps himself with someone else so that oh, he can... Oh, Jesus. Yeah, like, does the seducing on behalf of someone else. It's very odd. Yeah, and very yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah,
0: that, f- that, film, that film really sucked. Yeah. Um, that, that, yeah was, that
1: was... Reese fans in a very objectionable performance.
0: <laughs> that whole film was objectionable. Yeah, whereas this doesn't have that issue. This is a much smarter film
1: yeah because there's it's got like bookshops and stuff
0: exactly you got travel books
1: and young Hugh Bonneville (laughs) and yeah travel bookshops are cool shout out to Stanford's in central London where you know always used to go when I was a kid they've moved recently to just up the road but yeah very very cool bookshop that also sponsors travel writing awards and stuff
0: how marvelous.
1: So, yeah, I wish there were more bookshops like that. I don't know if that bookshop in Notting Hill actually exists existed or is still there, but
0: so it, it looks was nice. actually a an antique shop in real life, but then they made it into a bookshop.
1: Right. That's cool. They couldn't have found a real one, I guess.
0: Well, I I think they they it was more to do with the fact that it was sort of in the Notting Hill location. It was the perfect looking place um more than anything else. Right
1: and at one point um Hugh Grant is pictured reading the bookseller which is the publishing industry's trade magazine. So that's that was accurate as well. They you know they did their research on that.
0: Yes, I prefer to read the Booktaker, taker <laughs> um which is the the number one magazine for people who go into bookshops and steal books.
1: Yeah, edited by Rufus the thief. <laughs>
0: exactly. Exactly.
1: <laughs> and there's a good moment where the guy comes in and he's like have you got the new John Grisham or whatever because you know that's what it's always like it's like have you got Winnie the Pooh? Like, mm. so, yeah, that was good. And then the same guy comes back later and he's like, nope, nope.
0: Yes, no, not now, get out.
1: <laughs> yeah, while well, he's having his moment with Julia Roberts. So that that was good. It's all those little things, I think, that do add up to making this, yeah, um, a reasonably okay film. I wouldn't say that I'd love it, but it's it's all right.
0: No, I don't think you can really love this film. Um, but it's it's a decent enough movie
1: there's a bit where they try and break into like one of the gardens um there's like a private garden and he starts climbing the fence and all I could think of was the bit in Alan Partridge where he pierces his foot on a spike <laughs>
0: oh amazing it's it, and it's a nice it's a nice little scene actually isn't it um yeah and and there are those those neat little moments of romance that that do go down quite well here and there um it's not just Uh, like schmaltz all over the place there are there are some good set pieces here
1: yeah for sure Uh, that yeah that was the bit where i felt like there was actually i actually started to feel like there was some chemistry between them and that they were um you know there was something between them that was worth pursuing
0: yeah yeah and 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 that's what i think works so well about this film is the way that it does build that up and and you it, and you're right about that scene where they have that sort of back and forth jokiness about him saying whoopsie daisy and stuff like that. That feels much more genuine than the earlier parts of the than the earlier parts of the film that are almost framed like a romantic comedy within a romantic comedy. Um, that the way that it's it's quite overbearing and cliched, and you don't really get an understanding of people's characters and stuff like that. It does get broken down into something on a much more human level.
1: Yeah, for sure. So that's good, and it it has a nice ending as well with him intruding upon her press conference at the Savoy and tip offs from the hotel guys. You know all the the little, the cheesy Richard Curtis stuff. You can see that this is where it comes from. You know the the use of secondary characters and in, in always having fun stuff to do.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's got that manic rush, man, the manic dash at the end to to save the day. Uh, which is always oh great. yeah, there always has to be a chase scene. <laughs> it's always great to have that um, because nothing can ever be resolved without a mad dash to some arbitrary location. <laughs> <laughs> yep,
1: yeah, in a very very old car.
0: Yes, yeah, in a in a Volvo. Was it a Volvo or is it a Peugeot? I, I think it's a Volvo. Yeah. And
1: with Russo fans directing traffic.
0: <laughs> yeah, which is great. Oh dear. Um, and 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 there's got it's got some quite good dialogue in here. Obviously, there's the there's the standout line, um, you know, I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her. So you know, it's a really yeah. great little line there, really clever, memorable piece of dialogue. But you know, there, there's lots of there's lots of fun moments of dialogue and lots of nice little quips between characters, um, which work really well. You've got the moment where where Anna Scott, you know, Julia Roberts' character. Tells off the guys at the at the restaurant that they're at. Um, you, you've got um, and 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 you've got sort of like the I live in Notting Hill, you live in Beverly Hills, stuff like yeah, that. There's, there's yeah. lots of cute little lines, some quite clever little bits of dialogue here and there.
1: Yeah, for sure. It all yeah it it flows neatly from that point of view.
0: Yeah, so it's 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 a competent film, I'd say. Competent. Yeah.
1: Competent. Adequate. Yeah. It's it's cheddar cheese.
0: It is cheddar cheese, a.k.a. one of the best cheeses. The yeah. go-to cheese when you want cheese but you don't know what kind of cheese you want. Yeah. You're never going to be disappointed having a cheddar.
1: Old reliable. <laughs> Old reliable. And at the end, he's sitting on a bench, he's reading Captain Corelli's Mandolin.
0: Yes. Um... Interesting fact, that was going to be the director's next movie, but he had to drop out because of ill health.
1: Yeah, I thought you were going to say he had to drop out because of Nicolas Cage.
0: <laughs> and Nicolas Cage was like, no, I want it to be worse.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was directed by Roger Mitchell, Michel, mm-hmm. who I wasn't sure that I knew that much about before. So I'm just looking at the rest of his CV. He worked on Enduring Love as well. There's some other stuff that I haven't seen.
0: Yeah, so he did. Um, my cousin Rachel. Um, I've se- I have seen that. That was good. Back, which I've not seen. I I know it's based on a it's based on a Daphne de Maurier book, isn't
1: it? It is. I think I feel like you'd enjoy it. It's got it, that. It, it's got it a gothic edge like, that I think you will appreciate.
0: It seemed like my kind of thing, but I never got round to watching it, and I've I've not read the the source material. Um, and then um, yeah, enduring love. Um, but yeah, not not. Uh, an interesting mix of stuff that I'm not really sure that I've seen a lot of
1: no I mean neither but all stuff that seems to be good and competent
0: yeah because apart from Notting Hill um and I'll just check if there's anything else I've seen of his um I think the only other thing I'd seen of his is um Changing Lanes um which is the thing where these the, where it's Ben Affleck and Samuel L. Jackson and they they accidentally uh Crash their cars slightly, not very, not very majorly, but then it keeps getting. It's like it's like a sort of uh, a boulder rolling down a hill, and it keeps getting bigger and bigger and more and more dramatic as they start this sort of big, long, long-running feud. Oh, like crash? Um, what's that? Sorry, like crash? No, no one's having sex with cars. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I meant the one that deals with all the bad racism and stuff
0: The, the, the one where racism is definitely just down to a, a, a few bad Apple individuals And it, we can solve it all really easily And there's no such thing as institutional racism That one Yeah, yeah, exactly Yeah, yeah that one um, Yeah, no, Which was a clever little movie, Changing Lanes uh, I I remember that being good, but I've not seen it possibly since it came out I realise <laughs> well, now It seemed like a good
1: Looking at this, I have seen two of his other films, which is Morning Glory and Le Weekend, both of which I enjoyed. So I think he actually has quite a good quite a good C V here, Roger.
0: Ah, well there we go then.
1: Well done. Both films we could talk about at some point.
0: Is Morning Glory the one about um Harrison Ford? He's
1: in it, but it's I think it's more Rachel McAdams' story, but and, and Diane Keaton as well.
0: Right, okay. I I no longer have any interest because you said that it's not Harrison Ford's story. I thought that was the one about Harrison Ford being a grumpy TV show presenter. I think I and, think it and him just being walking around being cantankerous. And I was fully on board to watch that.
1: Oh, well, I think that is at least half of it.
0: Right. OK, OK.
1: But not maybe not the whole thing.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, I might give it a watch. Might give it a watch.
1: Also stars Curtis 50 Cent Jackson as himself.
0: Oh, mate. Good old Curtis.
1: Good old Fiddy. Have you ever seen him throwing out the first pitch at a Mets game? No. It's um I think it is genuinely the worst ceremonial first pitch in baseball history. <laughs> it's like so wild that it, it just like goes off into the stands. It's brilliant.
0: See, I'd probably deliberately do a really bad one.
1: <laughs> yeah, you'd you'd wind up like a chicken and just like throw it up in the air.
0: <laughs> I'd um yeah, I'd I'd just deliberately like throw it up in the air and just walk off be like screw you baseball i just start go watch some rocky
1: running around the field like yeah try and catch me yeah
0: (laughs) oh dear um so do you have anything else to say about nottinghill
1: uh no no i think that's it um yeah as as you said it's competent it's cheddar cheese it's good it's better than some of richard curtis's work i think it's it catches him at that point just before um he starts to get really, really big and doing a lot of really, really huge, cheesy stuff. It's it's of its time, and you know it's it's worth it's worth revisiting for sure.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's a, I, I, I maybe need to go and rewatch the rest of Richard Curtis's stuff. But this is probably I of the ones that I remember. I think this is probably the best that he did.
1: Well, it's a, it's a later um, one. Have you seen About Time?
0: Um, no, I haven't. That's, ah, the, that's the time travel one.
1: Yeah, I think that's actually his best film. So we should okay. we should get around it's, to watching that. It's got that Donald soon.
0: Gleason in it, which is always good.
1: Yeah, so that's good. Actually, maybe maybe we should talk about that one next. I don't know. Do we want to, yeah. do? We want to go double double Curtis.
0: Should we double Curtis?
1: Yeah, let's do, let's double Curtis, mate. Because I I saw it when it came out, but I haven't seen it since. But at the time, I was like, this is Richard Curtis's best film. Oh, okay. it's, yeah. It was, it was very up on the Gleason, so maybe we should do that.
0: Sweet, yeah. No, I'm down with that.
1: Yeah, that's my choice. So, yeah, how are we going to rate? How are we going to rate Nothing Hill? Um,
0: how many books down your trousers? Like
1: <laughs> Easy. <laughs> straight straight in. <laughs> um, I'm going to say thirteen books down my trousers an unlucky number of books
0: <laughs> an unlucky number yeah for me for me it's a 14 this is a, a competent feel-good rom-com i'm i'm here for it it's not going to change your life but it's nice. nice
1: good stuff good stuff well we've decided what we're, what we're watching next week then so <laughs> do we have any other bits to follow-up or is that it I think as everyone stopped listening to us after our very wrong choices of our Oscars, everyone's like, "Why didn't Jupiter Ascending win everything?"
0: <laughs> it's true. It's true. Everyone's just stopped after we didn't give Fifty Shades of Grey every prize.
1: <laughs> yeah. even best and worst prizes. Best
0: and worst. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've not. Got, I've not got anything else.
1: Great. Well, in that case, we will be back next week to talk about, about time. Thank you very much for tuning in. We really do appreciate it. You can um, you can follow us on Twitter at BigBoysDon'tPod. Be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe.
0: Yes. Let us know your thoughts about Nottingham.
1: Yeah. Did you want him to pierce his foot on the spike when he was climbing the, the fence? <laughs> like Alan Partridge?
0: <laughs> How do you feel about breaking and entering into gardens to have romantic moments?
1: Yeah. Is it okay? The answer is yes.
0: The answer is yes.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We should say bye. It's the polite thing to do. No. Oh, (laughs) you've had enough of it, have you?
0: They don't deserve my bye. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, All right. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm just
1: going to cut it there.